MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. Today, Liz Cheney deals what I think is the death knell to the Republican Party. Experts are now concerned about what we all knew, that there might be too many anti-vaxxers to reach herd immunity. Justice Thomas pens a rare dissent in a sexual assault case, but there may be ulterior motives at work. Biden is quietly laying the groundwork for increasing food assistance without Congress. The Canadian Proud Boys organization dissolves after the U.S. designates it a terror group. And now Biden's infrastructure plan includes amazing things for his haters like Mitch McConnell. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Happy Tuesday, Dana. Hey, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. And also with you. And it's, I feel like we're at mass and, and also with you. <laughs> it's Star Wars Day. Um, and it's also MCA Day. Happy MCA Day. Uh, it is Tuesday. That means Andrew and I will be on the Stereo app tonight. Please set up a free account at Stereo.com slash Allison Gill. I'm actually begging you now. And we still have a couple of free year-long premium memberships to give away. Thanks to the generosity of our existing patrons who, to date, Dana, have donated over 500 one-year memberships for people who can't swing it. That's incredible. Yep. A premium membership gets you ad-free episodes. You get them early. You get access to the entire ad-free back catalog of Muller She Wrote, all the bonus content, all the book clubs. You get our closed social media group, our Zoom call happy hour uh, Fridays. It's so it's a lot. You get a lot of content. So if you want one of these free memberships, or if you want to donate one, it's just 36 bucks for a year, head to dailybeanspod.com. Scroll down on the main page. Um, did you uh, did you have a nice Monday night? I did. I did. Um, I was just telling you my creative process with the pilot. I got some notes back that kind of as an artist jars you and you're like, oh, shit, shit. And you, as a good creative friend, said, hey, that all sounds positive. So now I'm taking a deep breath and <laughs> I'm just moving forward. Well, it's, you know, it's uh, many of us are artists because uh, we lack any kind of uh a self-esteem. So it's really hard. It's really hard for us to take notes, right? Yeah. Like I, I know, you know, and here we are in an industry where we just can, where we should be expecting rejection after rejection after rejection and people shitting all over your creative process all the time, constantly. Uh, we're still in it. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, I, I think what they had to say to you is a, a good feedback, very positive. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, so I am looking forward to see what you put out. I think it's going to be incredible. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it's, we're all looking forward to it. So keep us posted on that. Uh, we do have uh, quite a bit of news to get to today. So, so much news. <laughs> so, right. I, here I am thinking, oh, you know, after, after the former guy leaves, what are we going to talk about? Nope. Oh, well, hang on to your seats because uh, we have quite a bit. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody, the lead story today isn't being discussed on mainstream media, but I think it's incredibly important. The Supreme Court on Monday uh, turned down an attempt by a former West Point cadet to sue the military academy's leadership over her sexual assault. It was the latest unsuccessful plea to justices to revisit a 70-year-old court precedent that restricts lawsuits against the government when the alleged injuries arise from military service. 
as he has in the past. Justice Clarence Thomas said it was time for the court to take another look at the Ferris Doctrine. It comes from a 1950 decision that Thomas said mistakenly expanded a limited exception in the Federal Tort Claims Act concerning combat-related injuries. Under the plain text of the act, petitioner's status at West Point Cadet should have posed no bar to litigation. Thomas wrote this in a lone dissent. Quote, but 70 years ago, the court made the policy judgment that members of the military should not be able to sue for injuries incident to military service. Because of this decision, in Ferez v. United States, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit held that sovereign immunity barred petitioner's claims, even if she could have brought these same claims had she been a civilian contractor employed by West Point instead of a student, Thomas wrote. The, petition, the petitioner, identified as Jane Doe in court papers, grew up in a military family, entered the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in 2008. In her second year, she was raped by a fellow cadet. After a walk one evening, she withdrew from school in 2010. She later sued the academy and accused the administrators of having failed to adhere to mandatory Department of Defense regulations governing sexual violence. Uh, represented by the Veterans Legal Services Center at Yale, Doe took the Second Circuit's decision to the Supreme Court. Quote, in recent decades, civilians injured by government actions have gained greater access to recovery under the FTCA, according to her petition. Meanwhile, Ferris and its progeny have denied service members and sometimes even their children access to the very same system of justice they have pledged to defend. Ouch. But the Justice Department opposed the petition. The broad rationales for the Ferris doctrine wrote, this is from Elizabeth uh, Pre uh, Prelogar, that's President Biden's acting solicitor general. Uh, she says that this remains good law, the distinctively federal character of a relationship between the military and service members, the availability of certain no-fault statutory benefits for service-related injuries, and the avoidance of judicial intrusion into military discipline and decision-making. So that's from Biden's Solicitor General. Asking the Supreme Court to directly overturn a precedent is always an ambitious request. And in this case, uh, Prelogar noted that Congress had decided to rewrite the statute, has had to, uh, uh, Congress has had decades to rewrite the statute if it felt the court's reading of the FTC was an error. But let's not give too much credit to Justice Thomas here. I never do. Good. Probably <laughs> just a good rule to live by. My gut says he doesn't give a shit about this case or military sexual trauma or Jane Doe. My gut says he's paving the way to make SCOTUS statements supporting the concept of bucking precedent. So when they get the right Roe v. Wade mm. case, he'll have a history of bucking precedent and won't be out of the blue. He's using this case so he can say, I've been consistent on this. Remember the rape case? I wanted her to be able to sue the government. I wanted to overturn that precedent because I'm a good guy and I care about things and stuff. That's what he wants to be able to say. That's what my gut feeling tells me here. Well, I tell you what, I'm hoping that you're giving him way too much credit, uh, but I'm afraid that you actually might be right. You're not often wrong about these things, AG, uh, especially when it comes to the Supreme Court. So we will see what happens with that. This next story is frustrating for me to read, as it's going to be frustrating for you to hear. Just fair warning. More than half of adults in the United States have been inoculated with at least one dose of the vaccine. Sounds like good news, right? But the daily vaccination rates are slipping, and there's widespread consensus among scientists and public health experts that the herd immunity threshold is not attainable, at least not in the foreseeable future and perhaps ever. Now, instead, they're counting on the conclusion that rather than making a long-promised exit, the virus is just mostly going to become a manageable threat that will continue to circulate in the United States for years to come. Sounds a lot like the former guy. Um, still causing hospitalizations and deaths in smaller numbers. Again, that also sounds like the former guy. 
So how much smaller is uncertain and depends in part on how much of the nation and the world becomes vaccinated and how the coronavirus evolves. So it's already clear, however, that the virus is changing too quickly. New variants are spreading too easily and vaccination is proceeding too slowly for herd immunity to be within reach anytime soon. Continued immunizations, especially for people at highest risk because of age, exposure or health status will be crucial to limiting the severity of outbreaks, if not their frequency. All of this is really important. The shift in outlook presents a new challenge for public health authorities. So the drive for herd immunity by the summer, some experts once thought possible, captured the imagination of large segments of the population, myself included. Now, to say the goal will not be obtained adds another kind of why bother to the list of reasons that vaccine skeptics use to avoid being inoculated. Uh, Yet vaccinations remain the key to transforming the virus in a controllable threat. This is what experts say. But unfortunately, when stories like this come out, the anti-vaxxers are like, see, why should we do it anyway? We're not getting herd immunity. Well, I'll tell you what, it still keeps you out of the hospital and keeps you from dying. So please continue to get vaccinated when you have an opportunity. Yeah. And anti-vaxxers will be the reason that we would have that we can't eradicate the virus. We will have to continue to get to get boosters and vaccines probably annually. Uh, against this virus because we can't reach herd immunity because of anti-vaxxers. And we saw this coming. I mean, Dana, you and I have talked about, remember, we were going to saturate when the when the data becomes saturated, mm-hmm. uh, the the role, the, the rate of vaccines, shots in arms is going to slow down once we got everybody who wants the shot shotted. You know, yeah, <laughs> shit, we, shit. No, you can't say shit. <laughs> sh- sh- shat. Shat. No, that's that's also poop. Um, no, but you know, once you've got the the majority of the people, and we're at that now, we're at thirty percent of the people who really wanted this fucking vaccine. We got fencers uh, to get us up to about fifty percent. It'll be a little more slowly, but above that, I mean, you've got most of the southern states and Utah are the ones who are falling way behind in in vaccine rates. So, uh, and because of them, we won't be able to eradicate this disease. We'll have to continue to get continue to get boosters. You know, I'm just grateful. I mean, if that's the course of action, I'm grateful for science. I'm grateful it's there. Yeah, I'm grateful for Biden. And it's why we have to keep electing Democrats, because we need access to this. and We're going to need it for a long time. Amen to that. <laughs> and speaking of Republicans and Democrats, the number three Republican in the House and Trump punching bag Liz Cheney made some extremely powerful statements about the state of the Republican Party in a closed door speech today during a donor retreat to a group of Republicans with money. She says, and this is fucking harsh, honestly, for, for a Republican to say this and use use our use kind of terms of the terminology that the left uses. And the, it's it's pretty up there. She says, quote, we have to be the party of ideas and substance and policy. We need to defeat the threat of internationally and from the left here at home. We can't rebuild the party or the conservative movement on a foundation of lies. We can't embrace the notion the election was stolen. It's a poison in the bloodstream of our democracy. The way we win back suburban voters and keep all who voted for us in 2020 is with ideas and policy. We can't be a cult of personality. We can't whitewash what happened on January 6th or perpetuate Trump's big lie. It is a threat to democracy. What he did on January 6th is a line that he can't, that cannot be crossed. The Constitution is our shield, she says. The peaceful transfer of power must be defended. I've worked in many countries around the world where they don't have a peaceful transfer of power. We must be clear on this and move forward on substance, policy, and ideas to win back voters who left us in 2020. 
That's a hell of a statement. Indeed. I mean, listen, I've got my own issues with Liz Cheney. She threw her sister under the bus when it came to marriage equality, her gay sister. But every once in a while, she comes out with something where I'm like, all right, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, we talked to Olivia Troy on Friday, and then we brought up that conversation again when when I was on Yasmin Vesuvian's show on Sunday about specifically the big lie and the Republican Report card. You can find it at, uh, I think it's accountability.gop, where she grades, empirically grades Republicans on their how, how much they like democracy or not. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, like Howley and Cruz, they all have Fs, sure. right? Uh, McCarthy F. But Liz Cheney had an A. And this is going to keep her in that grade A column. This is probably going to solidify because th- this is like a, a dynamic document, a dynamic tool that voters can use to go see how their Republicans like democracy or not, Uh, whether, you know, whether their representatives are, you know, uh, Nazis. Doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, uh, but it's a, it's a living document, right? So she can change it and modify it. This, this statement is really, really heavy. And, and she also tweeted today, quote, the 2020 presidential election was not stolen. Anyone who claims it was is spreading the big lie, turning their backs on the rule of law and poisoning our democratic system. She sounds like a Democrat the, yeah. using the, the the big lie, the term the big lie. That's a left thing, you know. Um, th- this tension within the Republican Party came to a head last week. After actually, I think it's coming to a head today. Uh, <laughs> whoever wrote this article, <laughs> yeah. but uh, at, you know, that's when uh, Liz Cheney told reporters that any lawmakers who led the bid to invalidate President Biden's electoral victory in Congress should be disqualified from running for president. She also broke with Mr. McCarthy on the scope of a proposed independent commission. Remember, you know how how McCarthy wants them to look into Black Lives Matter and Antifa along with the insurrection or they're not going to let vote for this commission, this independent 9-11 style commission. She broke with the Republicans on that, telling reporters in response to a question she believed it should be narrowly focused on the assault on the Capitol. Uh, Mr. McCarthy and other Republican leaders have instead argued that, like I said, they it should have political violence across the country, including BLM and Antifa, which Antifa isn't real, but right. okay. And in a related story, Mitt Romney doesn't get how low his party has sunk. It was obvious when in Utah he was lustily booed, as the Salt Lake Tribune put it, <laughs> on Saturday by <laughs> 2,100 GOP delegates. Uh, who attended the party's state political convention. Even Romney's words trying to win the crowd back shows how out of touch he is with the base, this new Trump base, right? You can boo all you like, he said, but I've been a Republican all my life. My dad was a governor of Michigan. My dad worked for Republican candidates that he believed in. And if you do, if you don't recall, I was a Republican nominee for president in 2012. Maybe not the <laughs> best thing. You remember that race I lost? Do you remember how politically embroiled I am and how I lost that one time? Yeah. You remember how I strapped my dog to the roof of my car? You remember when that story came out? <laughs> oh, no, they would like that. That's true. They would be supporting that. Uh, but, you know, none of this matters to the today's Republican Party, uh, That you know, at least on the former guy's side. And on this show, we've been anticipating this wedge in the party, but it appears I think the dam is broken. Status quo is untenable. And we will see what happens. Oh, and we will. But uh, this is interesting. And up in Canada, we're going up to our neighbors north, the Proud Boys Canada, a far right group that Ottawa named as a terrorist entity earlier this year, has dissolved itself but saying it's done nothing wrong. And that's according to a statement by the organization on Sunday, which is hysterical because I always cancel myself when I've done nothing wrong, AG. 
Uh, in February, Canada said the group posed an active security threat and played a pivotal role in the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol in January by supporters of the then uh, former guy. I can't even, uh, of the then former guy and the, the still former guy. U.S. authorities have charged several members of the Proud Boys in connection with the January 6th assault. So, and this is a quote, the truth is we were never terrorists. This is what they said. The truth is we were never terrorists or white supremacy group. Uh, The statement posted by the administrator of the official Proud Boys channel on Telegram. We are uh, electricians, carpenters. Anything official for Proud Boys and Telegram just makes me laugh. Right? Ooh, do you have a seal? I know. (laughs) Well, we know that they do have a, yeah. It's a, it's an, it's a, a patch. I don't know if you'd call it a seal. Um, we are, he says, we are electricians, carpenters, financial advisors, mechanics, etc. More than that, we are fathers, brothers, uncles, and sons, it added. Yeah, which makes it all fucking scary because you guys are everywhere, apparently. Uh, founded in 2016, the Proud Boys began as an organization protesting political correctness and perceived constraints on masculinity <laughs> in the United States and Canada and grew into a group that embraced street fighting. Remember that group of Irish, I think they must have been, or Scottish Proud Boys that were in their kilts uh, with no underwear and they had painted their butts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a uh, a real uh, group perceived constraints on masculinity. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what, what do you want to do with your balls that you haven't done already? Oh, like, my what goodness. A, how are you, how is your masculinity being constrained? You're driving around in that fucking Ford Brodozer with eight flags on the back of it and but pipes with smoke coming out of them. Like, what are you, how are you being constrained, sir? I need this. So AG, the group's founder, Gavin uh, McInnes, he's a Canadian who lives in the United States. So public safety minister Bill Blair said in February that the domestic intelligence forces had become increasingly worried about the group. So Canada was worried. Uh, We knew we were worried. And, and still the former guy and the justice department at that time did nothing to stop them from storming the Capitol. Yeah. Mm. No, but they had no knowledge. No, of course not. There was nothing blatantly posted on Parlor. <laughs> the official... <laughs> the, what is it? The Proud Boys official Telegram oh, channel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Get nothing but static. Okay. Uh, and you got... This is cool. Biden is quietly laying the groundwork for a massive expansion on food assistance without Congress's help. And we'll be right back with that story. Plus, how Biden's infrastructure plan includes things that will make it very difficult for some Republicans to say no. Uh, more news after the break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and I want to share with you my secret for simple, effective self-care. It's Caliper CBD. Since I started taking Caliper CBD, I've noticed marked improvement in my stress levels and my overall sense of calm. I've had a lessening of pain and soreness after workouts, and I'm able to fall asleep easier. Um, the best part about Caliper CBD is I get all the benefits without drastically changing my daily routine. Why add the stress of changing your routine if you're trying to reduce stress? Caliper's convenient. They've created an easy-to-use, more effective CBD powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Rather than and taking oil that you hold under your tongue, Caliper created a dissolvable powder that delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes versus CBD oil. So you can get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes, while some CBD oils can take over an hour. Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts with decades of experience, rigorously tested for purity and quality. There's no weird taste, no oily residue, and it mixes easily into any food or drink. I love how easy it is for me to integrate the CBD powder into my routine. I just put it in my morning coffee or a protein shake after a workout, or even a cup of tea. It's helped me calm down and 
relax even when stress gets overwhelming. But Caliper is always THC-free so I can feel better without the high. I have had such a positive impact with this that even my friends and family have noticed. And the great thing about Caliper CBD is it comes in convenient, easy-to-use packets, pre-measured, precisely 20 milligrams, so you always know how much CBD you're taking. It's all-natural, vegan, non-GMO, and free of fillers, added chemicals, and artificial flavors. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days because if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code dailybeans at checkout for 20% off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. So here's what's going on with Biden. He's doing a review of the so-called thrifty food plan. This was ordered by Biden two days after he took office, and it could trigger an automatic increase in food stamp benefits as soon as October 1st, a day after expiration of a temporary 15 percent boost in, in, you know, in the food stamp payments that Biden included in the one point nine trillion dollar American rescue plan, the covid relief package. James Ziliak, director of the Center for Poverty Research at the University of Kentucky, said the reevaluation could result in an upward adjustment of 20 percent or more in the benefit. And that would amount to roughly $136 a month increase in the maximum benefit for a family of four, which was 680 before the temporary pandemic related increase. Quote, this is really meaningful. Um, that's a quote from Jason Furman, a Harvard Kennedy School of Government professor who was chairman of President Barack Obama's Council on Economic Advisors. Quote, it's one of the bigger things the government can do for poverty without Congress. Uh, the reappraisal culminates a years-long campaign by anti-hunger advocates to reassess the market basket. The value hasn't been increased other than judgments for inflation for six decades. Six decades. The move is emblematic of a broad commitment to anti-poverty programs across the Biden administration. Such initiatives were part of the COVID relief package and included Biden's more recent proposals for infrastructure and a social program in social program spending. And in April, the Agriculture Department extended a universal free school lunch program uh, that Biden ordered them to do. And that's tied to pandemic relief through the entire 21-22 school year. Uh, it's a sharp reversal from the former guy administration who tried to limit eligibility for food aid. That proposed restriction was overturned by the courts. Food stamps, formerly known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, once enjoyed broad bi bipartisan support. They've evolved into a partisan flashpoint in recent years, though, as conservatives fought to shrink the program. House Republicans tried to impose cuts in 2013 and 2018. The last two times the program was reauthorized as part of a five-year farm bill. Biden often speaks of one of the most jarring images of pandemic year economic collapse. Cars lined up for miles outside food banks to wait for a box of groceries. And he invoked it again in that first address he did last week to the joint session of Congress. And he explained the importance of anti-hunger initiatives and his vision for the country. Quote, I didn't ever think I'd see it in America. That's what he told us. The pandemic stirred public concern over hunger as seemingly secure middle and working class families suddenly became vulnerable. By December, one in seven U.S. households reported not having had enough to eat, sometimes or often, in the prior week. And in January, 41.8 million Americans were on food stamps, 4.7 million or 12.8 percent more than the year prior. Uh, the racial reckoning following the police killing of George Floyd further energized concern among Democrats since food insecurity disproportionately hits black, Hispanic and Native American children, along with the elderly and people with disabilities. So hopefully that'll go forward and we'll see a 20 percent increase uh, come October 1.
Also in the news today, uh, Biden on Monday announced he will raise the annual cap on refugees who can be admitted to the United States to 62,500, but did not expect to reach that mark this year. That's a move that follows months of wavering and fierce blowback from human rights advocates and fellow Democrats. Quote, today I am revising the United States annual refugee admissions cap to 62,500 for this fiscal year. This erases the historically low number set by the previous administration of 15,000, which did not reflect America's values as a nation. Uh, that welcomes and supports refugees. That was in a written statement. Biden added a notable caveat to his statement that the administration was not expecting to hit the cap he set. The sad truth is, he's, he's saying this now, I'm quoting, the sad truth is we will not achieve 62,500 admissions, admissions this year. We are working quickly to undo the damage of the last four years. It will take some time, but that work is underway. This decision marks a shift back to the approach Biden took in February before backing away from it. The president grew reluctant to follow through on his promise due to concerns he developed about how the government was dealing with a migration surge at the southern border. The changing posture enraged allies and prompted some of the strongest rebukes Biden received from his own party since he was sworn in. With his initial refusal to more swiftly raise the cap as he promised, Biden overruled his top foreign policy and national security aides, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken. He also left uh, many refugee advocates feeling as if they were left in the dark about his intentions and created uncertainty for foreigners seeking to flee oppression and other dire conditions abroad. On Monday... Biden said in his statement, quote, the new admissions cap will reinforce efforts that are already underway to expand the United States capacity to admit refugees so that we can reach the goal of 125,000 refugee admissions that I intend to set for the coming fiscal year. The more ambitious goal of 125,000 will be difficult to hit. That's according to senior administration officials. But the administration plans to do all it can to realize that number. Biden wants to send a clear message to Americans and the world that the U.S. welcomes refugees and is committed to protecting the most vulnerable. That's according to this official who explained the thinking behind Monday's announcement, but spoke on the condition of anonymity. The president's announcement comes several weeks after the White House announced its mid-April uh, announcement that the president was leaving the cap where Trump set it at 15,000. But that decision prompted furious uproar and was followed hours later by a subsequent White House announcement Biden intended to raise the cap after all. And we've heard the details of Biden's hat trick on rebuilding America during his joint session of Congress last week on his first 100 days. But what you might not know is the badass strategy he's building into his plans to squeeze Republicans. I'll have more on that after the break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the pod is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional, convenient online counseling. And we all know there's times in life in our life when things can get overwhelming, unpredictable, stressful. There's just a lot of anxiety. And when I'm feeling the pressure and anxiety of tough situations, I try to remember I don't have to face it alone, and neither do you. So if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living your best life, I recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate challenges. And it's not a crisis line or self-help. It's pr professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating communicating in under 24 hours. You know I've had my own challenges with post-traumatic stress. I know how important it is to seek help rather than try to face it alone. And I love how convenient BetterHelp service is. It's available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available, so visit their website and read their testimonials, like this one by BetterHelp user J.O., who said, 
says, I was a bit nervous and afraid to receive counseling, but Daria from day one has relieved my fears and concerns. Daria has nothing but excellent, been nothing but excellent along with bringing insightful ideas to attack the issues that I may have going on in my life, which have caused stress, depression, anxiety, and more. I truly feel like she's willing to listen to my issues and not be judgmental. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Welcome back, everybody. So Biden isn't just a silver fox. He's a silver sly fox. Check this out. And I'm quoting the Times here. Early one November morning last year, a tractor trailer hauling potassium hydroxide crashed into another truck that had jackknifed on the Brent Spence Bridge, igniting an enormous fire over the Ohio River that shut down the antiquated span, connecting Cincinnati and northern Kentucky for six weeks that bridge was closed. Daily commutes were snarled, shipping delays rippled across the eastern United States, and residents who had grown accustomed to, uh, you know, intractable fights among politicians over how to update the unsightly and overburdened choke point and how to pay for it had a glimmer of hope that finally something might get done. Quote, after the fire, I thought for sure it's going to happen now, said Paul Verst, who estimates the shutdown cost his logistics company in Cincinnati $30,000 a month because of the delays. But he said they're back to fighting. On paper, the frowsy 57-year-old double-decker truss bridge would seem like the kind of project that uh, could help power a grand deal this year between Biden, who's pushing the most ambitious federal investment in infrastructure in decades, and Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the most powerful Republican in Washington. Instead, the Brent Spence Bridge has become a window into the depth of the political and ideological divide that is shaping the debate in Washington over this $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan. It's so this, this trench is so profound between the two parties that McConnell, a longtime proponent of fixing the bridge, has become a vocal and hostile opponent. Quote, I can't imagine that somewhere in a multi-trillion dollar bill there wouldn't be money for the Brent Spence Bridge. Whether that's part of an overall package I could support? Well, I could tell you if it's going to have massive tax increases and trillions more added to the national debt... Not likely. But get this. Biden is saying he may break up his infrastructure bill. That's the American jobs plan, right? And he might do this to get Republicans to sign on to it. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this might have been the plan all along. When Biden went to the Senate parliamentarian earlier this year and asked for additional rounds of budget reconciliation, he got enough of them to pass three more bills this fiscal year using the budget reconciliation process that wouldn't require any Republican support. So picture this second and third level thinking, right? Let's say Biden's talking to Ron Klain and he says, his chief of staff, Ron Klain, and he says, so in order to get Manchin on board, we're going to have to show him we're reaching across the aisle and trying to involve Republicans. So let's pass COVID relief without him because we have to, but let's invite them to the White House to hear their side and hear their ideas as a show of bipartisanship. Then I'll announce my two other massive plans, get America on board, get everybody excited about it. Uh, and then let's put a bunch of stuff in it that helps voters in red states and force their senators to say no to it, you know. And then when Mitch says no way, let's invite Republicans back to the White House and see their plan. Once we do that, let's go to the parliamentarian, get at least one more round of budget reconciliation approved, split up our big bill to look like what the Republicans asked for. That way they have to say yes to it. Then we can do everything we cut out for the Republicans uh, in two more budget reconciliation bills. And Manchin will be more likely to be on board for those because we passed one with the GOP, right? Win, win, win. So that's 
Could be his thinking. I'm, this is all conjecture, of course. And we'll see what happens. But my fear is we'll gut the infrastructure bill, take it down to the $600 billion that the Republicans, you know, proposed uh, to bring the GOP on board. We'll cut it and we'll cut it up. And then but then maybe Manchin and Cinema will still refuse to vote for the next two big infrastructure packages. That's my big fear. But we'll see how this all plays out. But Biden and his administration know what the fuck they're doing. He's had 45 plus years of dealing with this shit. He can maneuver. He can outmaneuver Mitch McConnell in his sleep. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on the moves as they happen. Um, but this is a really big story. Uh, and we have a lot of good news today, too. And we're going to do that right after the break. Stay, stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG from The Beans. Mother's Day is this Sunday. Ah, hair on fire. I just want to take a moment to say I love you, Mom. And a shout out to all the moms out there. I love you, too. You give us so much love and unconditional support. Thank you for making the world a better place. And I appreciate my mom more and more each year. And this year, I'm getting her something special from Pandora. Pandora Jewelry to show her how much she means to me. Pandora has a perfect gift for the mom in your life. From their customizable charms to a huge variety of beautiful bracelets and rings and necklaces and earrings. They have everything. I think my mom is really going to love what I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her that little tree, little family tree, and uh, give her a, 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 a special edition, limited edition of the, the giving tree because that's what my mom is. <laughs> I think she's going to love it. And each piece of Pandora jewelry is gorgeous. It's high quality and it's perfect. It's a gift meant to last. This season, Pandora has gifts for every mom with new designs in their collection and uh, all you know contemporary classics. Jewelry can be customized to fit all styles and personalities. You can curate your own looks with their new Pandora Rose collection or check out some of their bestsellers like the Princess Wishbone Ring. Express a connection that's stronger than words with symbols of love and gratitude like hearts, infinity symbols, angel wings, and those family trees to remind us how special mothers are. Shop safely in store with Pandora styling expert to find the perfect gift for any mom on your list. Buy online with in-store pickup and curbside pickup at select locations. Please contact your local store so you can find out what they're doing. And thank the mom in your life for always being there with a sparkling gift from Pandora Jewelry. Go to us.pandora.net slash dailybeans to start shopping or find a store near you. Again, that's us.pandora.net slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And we have a little late breaking good news story, Dana, don't we? We do. We just got an alert that Pfizer has okayed the vaccine for children 12 to 15, ages 12 to 15. This is for a government official and it should be available to them by early next week. So keep an eye out for that. But that is really good news, especially as schools are going to start opening up in the fall. Um, and more people are going to be in person. Yes. And this is going to help schools open up in the fall. So we'll see which which parents get their kids vaccinated and which don't, you know. Uh, and I know that there are currently almost 100 colleges, colleges now, I'm not talking 12 to 15 years old, I'm just talking about colleges, are requiring vaccines for in-person learning. I say I hope they all do. I do as well. Okay. Now, first up from BT, pronoun she and her. Good news. I've officially become a medical cannabis patient in the state of Louisiana. I've been living with multiple sclerosis for 24 years. And even though I'm blessed to be in relatively good health and live a mostly normal life with my very few disabilities, I've always feared the law and especially Louisiana's draconian stance on cannabis prohibition. Cannabis helps my MS-related muscle spasms and chronic pain immensely. Just a little secret between you and me, though. I also really enjoy cannabis recreationally. <laughs> I've been a regular consumer of cannabis since I was 15, one year before my MS diagnosis. But also locking people up for possessing a plant is not only stupid, but enforces an extreme in an extremely racist, racist way that creates way more harm than outlaw can cannabis plant itself than the outlaw can, you know, basically the <laughs> locking them up causes more harm than, than smoking it. Right. 
Uh, yeah, after 25 years of being a, crim- uh, a criminal in Louisiana for my consumption of a plant that helps me with my chronic illness, I am legal for pod pet tax. I'm including a picture of my cat, Socks, who's been my loyal companion for 13 years. And Socks is adorable. <gasps> Hello, sir. I love that. That's a, that's a man cat face right it there. Is. Well, congratulations on your medical cannabis. Um, and you can find another way to become a can become illegal. Maybe there's another fun way. Um, this next good news is from Eve, pronoun she and her. Hi there, AG and company. I would like to congratulate you on your MSNBC appearance. So good to see you getting airtime there. I expect to see you on there more. My good news is that my partner and I have both received our second shots and have passed the two-week mark. We are incredibly grateful. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. We recently, in the last six months, have moved permanently to Bonaire in the Caribbean Netherlands. In the Caribbean Netherlands. Uh, there was a two-year process and we were miraculously able to st- to still get here and move our household and my 11-year-old uh, kitty, Cashew. Mm. More good news. We just received our residency approvals, so we are official, including national health care and getting ah. to stay here year-round. Pinch me. But we care very much about what is going on up north, and the beans is part of our daily diet in this house. Thank you for all the hard work for the entire Daily Beans team. I'm very happy there will be more content coming soon. I'm including some photos of Miss Cashew, Nut Furry Pants, and her new frenemy, Coltrane the Puppy. (laughs) He just wants to play with her, and she absolutely will not. (laughs) One photo is a Find the Cat challenge, and be my guest to try guessing what the mutt with Coltrane. We have our theories but nothing, we don't know for sure. Oh, look at this beautiful photo. Oh my goodness, the cat. That's hysterical. I see the cat. <laughs> I see the cat too. And... Oh, and this puppy. <gasps> look at this dog. Oh my goodness, <gasps> so sweet. Coltrane is the perfect name for this dog. He's so cute. I think there is. Um, there might actually Pitbull? be a hunt. Doberman. I see Doby in there on the the eyes uh-huh. and, the, and the forehead and Pitbull and maybe a shepherd. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm with you on all those. And then, you know, chow, chow. Tell us if you find out. Uh, Yep, let us know. Uh, Next up from Carrie, pronouns she and her. Greetings from Albuquerque. That's your hometown, Dana. Hometown, what up, 505? Woohoo! I just had the best weekend in over a year. I canvassed for Melanie Stansbury, our hometown Democrat, who's running in a special election to fill Deb Holland's seat in Congress. I walked about 18 miles over two days and talked to many wonderful and enthusiastic Democrats in person. I wore a mask. It was so wonderful to talk to people face-to-face after a year of isolation and detached heads in Zoom. I didn't even realize how much I needed it until I got home and broke down in joyous tears. And the best part? Melanie called me personally to thank me for volunteering. It was unexpected and incredibly nice of her. Of course, I missed the call because I was volunteering at an event for our mayor, you know, the guy who sent Trump, the Trump campaign to collections. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will keep her voicemail forever and use it as motivation for my get-out-the-vote efforts all month. Fellow Albuquerqueans, vote on June 1st or vote early or absentee. Do it, do it, do it. For pod tax, I have attached typical cat-in-the-box photo, side entrance style, as opposed to the more common top entrance style. Oh, (laughs) there. That's awesome. Carrie, thank you so much. As someone from from Albuquerque who loves uh, Holland, thank you so much for taking care of that. And hopefully we can keep a Democrat in that seat. That is for sure. All right, this next one's from Ben, pronouns he, him, and Katie, she, her. Hello, Beans Queens. It's Wild New York over on YouTube dropping by with a little good news. A red-tailed hawk showed up in Central Park, absolutely caked in tar. Oh, my goodness. It had been around for a couple of days, but the Central Park Rangers were finally able to corral it. And it's on its way to rehab center. Woohoo! Ugh. See attached photos for the tragic comic view of the wrangled bird. On the show front, we're going to have new episodes soon, including one on bald eagles. 
cause freedom. Uh, if you need a laugh, we're also released our outtakes from season one. I'll include the link for you. Excited to hear about the podcast network. Let us know if you're taking uh, on new show, new nature shows, uh, bloopers. We've got bloopers, season one bloopers. <laughs> so there's going to be a link in the show description uh, for everyone who uh, wants to take a look at the bloopers. And uh, yeah, let's chat. Let's chat about oh, network stuff, that, my friends. Oh my God, the bird. Oh, I'm so glad that they saved this. Oh, it's heartbreaking. <sighs> I'm so glad that they saved the bird, though, and that the bird's going to rehab. Oh, that bald eagle's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, let's uh, let's get in touch. Yeah, just uh, shoot shoot us an email, Ben. And we'll talk. We'll talk network. My people will call your people, Ben. Of course, I'm my people and you're your people. So we'll just chat. Okay, next up. And finally, this is our last one from Carrie, pronoun she and her. Hello, beautiful beans queens. I wanted to send a quick note while my sister Mary and I are driving across country for the second time in four days. Mm, We left Boise, Idaho on Friday morning at 3 a.m. and got into Columbus, Ohio on Saturday evening after one day in Ohio to finish up moving my sister back to Idaho. That's right. And picking her up her pupper's Princess Arwen. Uh, I have attached a picture for pet tax. Bonus if you can guess what her name is from. Uh, and the breed is easy to figure out. I think Arwen was from like the Black Cauldron or or the Sword of Shannara or something like that. I don't know um, any of the words you just said. That one is all on you. <laughs> Some fantasy, uh, sci-fi fantasy I read. Or not sci-fi fantasy, but just fantasy when I re- read when I was a kid. Arwen. Arwen. I'll have to look it up. But... Uh, anyway, Arwen, guess where her name is from? Her breed is easy to figure out. We are again back on the road. We left Ohio Monday morning, just before 3 a.m. You like to get out in the middle of the night there. We'll get home to Boise Tuesday evening. Don't have much else to say other than my sister to my sister, who is a veteran and one of the best people I've ever had the pleasure to know. I fucking love you, ho, and thanks, JB. I love that. Oh, my goodness. My sister is now a full-time new listener after skipping all pods on this trip, but my beans. <laughs> this dog <gasps> is beautiful. There's definitely col- uh, the, the Australian shepherd, I would say. It may be corgi. Corgi. Oh, my God. And it's a shepherd. Do you think it's a shepherd corgi mix? I think it's an Australian shepherd corgi mix with maybe even like a something else adorable. I'm like, seriously, something else adorable like rabbit. (laughs) Her breed is easy to figure out. That's what they said. So if it's got to be Corgi Aussie, unless it's just a Corgi. Could be. Unless it's just a Corgi with really cool color. Oh my gosh, she's adorable though. This dog's cute. All right. And now let me see uh, Princess Arwen. Arwen. One wiki to rule them all. Arwen, queen of the reunited kingdom. And Gondor. Ah, yes. Okay. So it is. It's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there you go. See, you're yeah. really good at the, this. The, uh, the like, foundation of fantasy novels. I was like, it was in something. Was it Sword of Shannara and Black oh Cauldron? No, Seriously. Allison. It's fucking Lord of the Rings. Okay, cool. Got it. Anyway, uh, thank you for all of your good news. If you have any good news you want to submit, you can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's also where you can sign up for free memberships. We've got a couple left uh, that have been donated. You can make donate, you can donate memberships there too. Again, dailybeanspod.com. And uh, that's where you submit everything. And I have had a wonderful time today. Uh, Dana, do you have any last, do you have any f- last words? <laughs> Final words. I've had a wonderful time today as well, AG. That's how we're going to go out. Awesome. It's been good talking to you and everybody until tomorrow. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazzell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kunai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh my God, AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, <laughs> like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although were they talk what was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my uh, god. The best I can I, lo- get I love their Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, birdhouse in your soul, which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.